It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Jerry Hamilton, On3 National Recruiting Director and uh, Analyst, uh, as well as InsideTexas.com reporter. Uh, Jerry, let's get straight into it. Texas expecting a huge visitor or, or, or having a huge visitor this weekend in Oshawn Mathis, uh, the talented transfer from TCU, uh, a, so, uh, going to be a junior, I think, at TCU, uh, opted to go to the transfer portal route, obviously has some ties to Gary Patterson from his time at TCU, considering Texas along with a host of others. But this is big news for the Longhorns because this is, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is the guy everybody has circled, right? Because it's such a big need at defensive end for the Longhorns. He's on campus this weekend in Austin. Uh, what do you make of all of this and, and the importance of it for Texas? Well, I think he's, you know, a lot of people don't like that I label guys must get recruits. He's a must get recruit for Texas. I mean, if you look at the weaknesses of the team and the program going in the next year, let's be real. He's worth a win or two next year. You're talking about a guy who's a second team, all big 12 performer, I think back to back years. Uh, he's from Maynard right down the road. Um, he's a guy who look, Texas is in it because Gary Patterson's at Texas. I mean, I was by Maynard a few weeks ago. And, you know, those kids, um, a lot of those kids kind of get, they get turned off by Texas because Texas doesn't show them interest earlier offer. You know, Princely was different, who uh, was committed at one time, signed with Florida, but a lot of those kids don't get offered by Texas. And so I, I stand by this from what a Maynard coaching staff said, if Gary Patterson won the Texas, this kid wouldn't be considering Texas, but this is a huge recruitment for the Longhorns. Uh, Look, we talked about it at nauseum, the edge position, that pass rush position, um, being able to pressure the quarterback uh, without bringing extra numbers. He helps you do that. Um, he is worth a win or two next year. He makes everybody else better. And it's not a freshman you're forcing in the early action. You're talking about a guy who has three years of college football experience at a high-end level and was a high-end player uh, as well. So huge, huge recruitment for the Longhorns. Uh, when you look at what they've already done in the portal, if this is the finishing piece of the portal, obviously they still like to get a linebacker, but if this is the finishing piece of the portal, you'd have to give them an A+. plus. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about Quinn Ewers to start it, right? Yeah. Um, and that was a huge pickup. He could end up being the starting quarterback for him, uh, likely, possible, whatever, however you want to term it. Isaiah Nahor is an all-conference performer at wide receiver. Ryan Watts was slated to possibly start at the Ohio, in the Ohio State secondary you know, it, it adds someone like O'Shawn Mathis and you're, you're adding potentially four starters right out of the gate. And you're adding uh, multiple players who, you know, look, I had one guy that has worked with Isaiah Nair predict he's going to be all conference of some sort at the big 12 next year at Texas that he thinks this highly of him. O'Shawn Mathis, probably the same. So, I mean, you're looking at two higher level guys than anybody Texas put on the field last year at that position. 
other than Xavier Worthy, right? I mean, so you could potentially have two all Big 12 level receivers, an edge guy. We'll see how Quinn Ewers plays. Ryan Watts. I just think the players out of in from Texas got from the portal are a total different level. And that's not a knock on the guys last year. They're Texas built the program. They came in, but these are higher level kids, obviously. What well, Jaleel Billingsley, I didn't even mention him. There you go. Um, you yeah. Know, a, yeah. I, I look at him, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of look at Jaleel Billingsley a little bit differently than, than maybe Ian and even uh, some other guys on our staff do. I almost feel like he's a lottery ticket. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm not, not, not in the typical sense where, you know, I, I just feel like his upside so much so is, is so much better than what they had at the, at the tight end position a year ago. Not that Cade Brewer wasn't serviceable or that Jer- Jared Wiley as a receiver wouldn't serviceable. I, I just feel like uh, Billingsley adds a, a different element uh, that may uh, jive really well uh, with what Texas has on offense uh, at the outset. Mathis, Bob, though, Bobby, Bobby, we're talking about a guy who headed in the last season at Alabama was being talked about as an NFL draft pick. I mean, two players from Texas are at the combine. They got more than that if they get Mathis. They've got more than that out of the portal of guys that will be in the combine in the future. So that tells you how good of a job they've done if they can close this thing out with Mathis. And there's competition for Mathis. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get at was the competition. So from your – and I know you've reported this, but I think it's important. The the top competition for Mathis, the top five are Texas, uh, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Penn State, and USC. But you think USC – uh, from your uh, what you've heard behind the scenes is the one to watch. Well, USC and I think Ole Miss. Uh, look, Randall Joyner did a great job recruiting guys at SMU, right? Even if is he, he is he at Ole Miss now? Yes, he's at Ole Miss as the D line coach. And I was lucky enough to sit in on one of their D line meetings a couple of years ago, and he is really, really good young coach, a strong communicator. So I don't ever want to rule him out if he gets a kid on campus. And with what Ole Miss has done in the portal, obviously, look, they may be the uh, they may be the portal uh, crown winner uh, this year. We'll see. Um, but you know, USC. Look, some of those guys, Alex Grinch, some of those guys that have recruited O'Shawn Mathis a little bit coming out of high school. Not a lot, but a little bit. If you look at Nebraska, Brian Applewhite was the running back coach at TCU. So I think that if you look, a lot of times, sometimes not, but a lot of times with the portal, unless it's an Isaiah Nayer who was off the radar and just ascends. You look at Jaleel Billingsley, he came back to Texas. Why? Jeff Banks, Steve Sarkeesian. It, you look at these guys, and the this is why relationships matter in recruiting. When these guys hit the portal, they're looking for some of those relationships if there's a good fit at those schools. And I think you see that uh, with O'Shawn Mathis, Gary Patterson, Brian Applewhite, guys that recruited him at Ole Miss, guys that recruited him at USC that were at Oklahoma. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ole Miss is already supposed to get Kerry Coleman, another TCU defensive end, however, right? Yeah. So are they going to take – is TCU going to – is Ole Miss going to take two DC defensive ends potentially? I guess they would if it were Mathis. Uh, I think I think people think Mathis is going to Texas, right? But until he does, you know, you, we don't want to come out here and say, oh, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, I, you just get crushed, right? But right. Texas is the favorite for Mathis, and everybody else is playing catch-up. I, I think the interesting thing about USC, though, too, you mentioned Ole Miss and their work in the portal. The other team nationally that's killed it in the portal uh, with volume, right? Texas right. has done really well for, from a 
quality standpoint, but with volume as USC, right? Yeah. And so I think that when you have a new coach going into an unknown environment, that fresh start uh, might be attractive uh, to some players. Uh, At the same time, he doesn't know exactly what is out there at USC, whereas at Texas, he saw what they put on the – he it's saw what they put on the field last year. He knows and what especially, they especially when your former head coach is saying, look, this is what they have here. This is what we have, he's saying now. This is what you can be the difference here. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's a pretty strong case to be made by your former head coach. All right. Let, let, I think Mathis is, is maybe the story of this offseason outside of integrating Quinn Ewers into the offense during spring ball and Isaiah Nair and Billingsley uh, as well. Um, but you mentioned some other, uh, also potentially a linebacker via the portal. And this is something that you and I have talked about a lot. Who's it going to be? I mean, right. we don't know. And Eric and I have talked about it and it's, it's, it's like a running joke almost how much we've talked about it, but nothing's come to fruition. They, we don't know that they've hopped on anybody hot and heavy really, uh, or connected with them. They tried early with a guy out of Western Michigan or central Michigan. I can't remember. Um, but right now they did make contact with Josh Chandler, um, Senado, or Semedo, yep. uh, out of Canton McKinley originally up in Ohio, went to, um, West Virginia. Interesting about, uh, uh, the young man, uh, from, uh, Canton McKinley, Josh Chandler, Semedo. He was five, 10 and a half, two fifteen out of college, out of high school, only one power five offer, right? Goes to West Virginia, starts there, I think, for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 12 in the country in tackles last year, 110 tackles, but was only honorable mention all Big 12. Yeah. So was that a, a, a you know, what does that really mean? I, I haven't watched him that heavily. I don't know enough about him. Uh, but outside of him, the other, uh, the other linebackers that are out there, L- Lorenzo McCaskill from Louisiana Lafayette, uh, DeRicky Wright from – uh Vanderbilt I mean is Texas we don't know if Texas is really involved in any of those yeah McCaskill's supposed to visit but hey here's here's my thing too though I, I think that the Texas staff is showing patience in the portal just like they have um in recruiting and and I'm sorry I was looking down I was looking up a tweet from Matt Zenitz this tells you this was one day ago how many guys are still jumping in the portal Tulane linebacker Darius Hodges, who led the AAC with 16 and a half tackles for loss last season, entered the portal a day ago. Uh, he's from Montgomery, Alabama. Who knows? Did Jeff Banks and somebody on that Texas staff, is there a connection there we need to watch out for? But I, my point on this is more guys are jumping in the portal every day. So exercising some patience is not a bad thing. Uh, I, I was shocked when this kid just jumped in, in the portal one day ago. I mean, that's like two weeks before spring practice. I mean, so who knows what's going to happen after spring practice when some older guys lose a job that were pretty good players to a younger guy or there's a coaching change and it's not a good fit. So I think continuing to exercise patience in the portal is not a bad way to go, especially when you get down to maybe one need at one position. That's a good segue to my next topic because this young man uh, apparently has no patience with the 100-meter dash. (laughs) <laughs> his, his name is his name is Brennan Thompson. Uh, he signed with Texas back in uh, December of this past year. Uh, is scheduled to uh, be on campus this summer. He started his uh, track uh, season 
this week with a 10.22 100 meter uh, uh, dash. Uh, Jerry, that's just flying this early in the year. Well, look, it, it wasn't fully automatic time, but who cares? So we ran 10-4. I mean, I mean, what's the difference, right? I mean, your first meet of the year, you're coming off a, a having a bone spur move from your talus bone. You missed all of your, your senior year of football. So this is your first meet back. And, you know, your form is not perfect. You know, your start's not perfect. But they go out and run essentially a 10-4 in your first meet. And here's the thing with Brennan Thompson, which people have to say, a lot of people say, well, he's not running against competition. Well, in track, that means you're not really being pushed. It's not like rushing for 350 yards on Friday night because nobody can tackle you and run with you. In track, to get down to that 10-1, 10 flat, which is the goal for a kid like that, you have to be pushed by somebody. And he's not going to be pushed. So he's going to be running a 10-4, 10-5 when he's not even being pushed until the regional meet and state meet unless he runs against Major Everhart in a meet in, in, in Amarillo or something here down the line. That's the only guy up there that can push him in the 100 meters or 200. I mean, he ran 21-6 in the 200 and, and pretty much coasted the last, you know, 30 or 40 meters. So the key, the, the question I have for Brennan is, look, I was guilty of this last year. And I told Brennan when I was up at his commitment ceremony, I said, dude, I kind of circled you as a guy that was overrated last spring because he came out of the gate run 11-2. Then it got to 11. And I was like, hmm, I mean, maybe that, maybe he's not as fast as we thought. Maybe he was running downwind in a hurricane, right? But then we find out that he had an injury misdiagnosed. And what he was trying to play and run through as a junior, and you say, okay, now it makes sense. And he got down to that 10-4 and that 10-3-8 in regionals in the state meet. So you knew the speed was legit. His goals 10, 9.999999 is his goal this year. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That would be unbelievable. Not many people can really do that. But I will say that this is my goal for him. I think, I, we're time out. I think not the, the idea that not many people can do that, I would say like 10 humans in history have done it, right? right. Maybe, right. maybe 20. So and yeah, not many yeah. can do it. You're right. My yeah. goal for him is 10 one that would be a career best. You know, you're in the 10-1-8. Was it official? It wasn't official time. If he got down the 10-1-5, if somebody can push him, that puts you in such an elite category as a senior in high school. I mean, how many, Bobby, through, go back through time, how many guys, Roy Martin at Galveston Ball, maybe how many guys, I mean, you have really run that sort of time. And if he also throws a 20.9 in the 200 with him. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you one thing that people were going to, Remember, okay, who could he be like as a football player? Okay, there is one guy that was the, the fastest kid in the country coming out of high school, and he had to go to junior college because of grades, but he's smaller like Brennan. He's not a big, tall guy, but he's thick, sprinter kind of bodybuilding that way, and that's Tyreek Hill. Yep. I mean, Tyreek Hill changes football games. Right. Now, you can't put that on a freshman in Brennan Thompson, right. but that kind of speed, I mean, it, I, I always go back to something that um, 
uh, a coach told me one time, he goes, there's speed. And then there's that special kind of speed, right? right? And potentially, is that really what we're talking about with Brennan Thompson? Because it's not just that he's fast. I mean, this is, this goes beyond, you know, being fast. This goes beyond being, this, this is talking about getting separation from anybody, right? Not just from good. I'll I'll throw throw one out for you, Bobby. Could he be, and it's up to him. So the nuance of the position, catching the football in traffic, breaking those tackles at the power five level. If he can translate those things, I think Marquise Goodwin is somebody to look at for him. Yeah. Because Marquise Goodwin was a great track athlete, right? And now Brennan's been more serious about football, but the reason I'm going to draw a parallel is Brennan's in Spearman, Texas. So he's not, it's not like he's coming into Texas having played high school football at North Shore in Duncanville, right? I mean, so there's an adjustment period he's got. Marquise Goodwin had the adjustment period to being wanting to be a really good football player. So my question is, is year two under Brennan Thompson and Austin, can he be what Marquise Goodwin was in year three? I think he's ahead of the curve as a wide receiver, but then he's got that transition too. But if he can become similar to that, because I think they're similar athletes, similar size, similar frames, right? Could If he can be that, then Texas has something real in Brennan Thompson. Got it. All right. Um, OU, I, I want to talk ne- next about OU and their big recruiting weekend. Uh, you know, neither Texas nor Texas A&M really had many kids uh, this week. Uh, OU took advantage of that. Uh, something you and I discussed. They had a, a blue chip list up there this weekend, just oh, yeah. from the state of Texas. Uh, I'm going to go and all of these guys uh, very much in Texas, very interested in uh, starting with Samaj Burrell out of North Crowley, the linebacker you and I have talked about from the get go that Texas is in are interested in, highly interested in Colton Vosick, defensive lineman from Westlake, Anthony White, the kind of do it all athlete from Abernathy that Texas Tech is also fighting for Tyler Turner, the safety from San Antonio. Texas offered, despite him being a commitment to Baylor at this point in time, uh, Darian Gallette, who, you know, we think is one of the top pass rush prospects in the state as an edge out of Marlin, Bravian Rogers out of LaGrange, Jaquez Petaway uh, out of the Houston area, big, uh, really lightning fast receiver. And then Michael Harrison, uh, Michael Harrison Pilot out of Temple, that Texas loves, or I think everybody pretty much loves because he's, he's that good a player. Those guys all on, on OU's campus this weekend, OU getting to make a mark with those guys. Any thoughts on, on that process? The fact that neither Texas nor A&M really had many kids on campus kind of yeah. opened the door for the Sooners there, right? Yeah, to put that in perspective, that six of those names are in our updated on 300 nationally six guys from the state of texas jordan renaud is also up there d lineman out of tyler legacy so that makes seven players from texas in the on 300 in norman this weekend actually i missed one marcus deal so there you go so make it eight uh marcus deal um and he was going to oklahoma state i believe today but, and then, uh, but that but that's te- but again marcus deal texas is in on him too 100 percent uh way yeah, in yeah. on him i was up i was by name and force friday morning um Look, I, I think it's pretty good strategy by Oklahoma uh, because this is the first weekend out of, of the dead period. And, you know, they've had time to prepare. Like, you know, late January, uh, those unofficials were better for AM and Texas, stat, more staff continuity, not a brand new staff coming in. I think this gave Oklahoma a little more time to really plan. And knowing that AM and Texas weren't going to have a lot of guys on campus, I, I think Darian Gillette's a huge one. 
uh, because that looks like A&M versus Texas, but you know he's going to push their way into that. And Alabama recently offered. We'll see if that's an Alabama off or an Alabama push. But this is one of the best athletes in the country, pound for pound. And uh, I'm really, as a person who's been in this business and for the Texas fans, for the Oklahoma fans, A&M fans, what have you, I think we're entering a really fun time in recruiting because with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, uh, this is creating some real recruiting rivalries again in the state. I think that had kind of gone away for a little bit. You know, not Texas and OU, but A&M being in the SEC, but you're bringing the three big dogs back together in recruiting. And I really think that starts um, started last class because of what A&M did in Texas, had a top five class, and then Brent Venables finished strong with a top 10 class. But really this 23 class, because you know more what's coming in the future and the pitches are a little bit different than these kids because you're a year closer to moving to the SEC. I, I think it's an incredibly fun time for the three fan bases. But I think OU, look, Samaj Burrell, Darian Gillette, Bravion Rogers. I think in Vosick, all defensive players, you, uh, you and I agree Brent Venables is going to get Oklahoma in on. You know, he hired a strong staff. Todd Bates is a great communicator at D-line coach. Um he's going to have Oklahoma in on those kids in Texas on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the scheme offensively is going to be inviting for, for some guys too. Uh, so I think Oklahoma's got a staff and, and I, that can, can really compete with AM in Texas. Um, and I believe they're going to battle harder than ever in DFW. Samaj Burrell's a big one for Texas because line, we talk about linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Well, this is the best Mike linebacker in the state. And, and after meeting with him, he is, he's got football intelligence. He can call a defense. He's not going to be intimidated by the task. So he's, he's got all the measurables. He's got the playing speed. He's got the instincts, and he's got the football intelligence. Those guys are ones you need to win, and Texas needs to win that one. And that's going to be Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma. We'll see if Ohio State or USC can uh, make an impression there. I tell you what, uh, you mentioned DFW, and you're right. Uh, Texas uh, and, and OU and even A&M to some degree, but Texas has really relied on DFW the last couple of years. Uh, but, but what's interesting is Brent Venables, when he was an assistant at OU, recruited DFW. I, I ran in him at Dallas Skyline every other week yeah. in a live period, every yeah. other week. Yeah, and so be aware of that. that there's some yeah. hist history there. Uh, and OU, obviously, from a proximity standpoint, uh, yeah. Uh, has some some uh, some cachet there. I I, I feel like uh, at the same time, what do you make of Texas not having anybody in? Because that's where my consternation comes from. Is Texas waiting too late? Waiting until late March? I mean, that's still three more weeks. Right. Two 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 and a half more weeks before Texas starts having Arch Manning in. You know, that's that's a heck of a way to start it. Right. But what is that all? I mean. Did they did they misplay the timing here, or you know, look, it's it, it's just is what it is. This is when spring practice starts. The kids are going to be able to see a live practice. There's going to be more going on. I, I think I think that's what it centers around. Look, I, I think there's two, you know, there's multiple strategies here. You know, Oklahoma strategies obviously to get these kids where it's one on one all the time, right? Or more coach player time, more coach parent time. I think. Texas wants these kids to be around their team and watch them practice and watch them coach their kids. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think OU just gets a chance to 
make the first pitch and, and see how long it lasts and see how much ground they can make up on some kids. But look, Texas is going to have a very impressive that weekend. Arch Manning's there. I mean, look, Cedric Baxter, number one running back or number two running back in the country. There's going to be huge names on campus because Oklahoma's weekend, it wasn't just Texas guys. They had Richard Young, one of the top running backs. Dijon Johnson out of Southwest Florida. Uh, Caden Green, their top offensive line target out of Missouri, two of the top DNs out of that Kansas City area, which you know under Venables, they're going to hit hard, just like Dallas. So Oklahoma had a national recruiting weekend, so it's very impressive. And Texas is going to pull off the same. I just think they want to do it when they're practicing uh, so they can get in the team meetings and see how these guys coach the players. One, one thing I will say, um, Venables may have had to do this too to establish a one-on-one -on -one because these guys hadn't met him before. That's right. You know, whereas Sarkeesian's had kids in for the game, been around him, had already pre-established some contact. So there's a little mix and match there yep. uh, as, as well. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, before we go, uh, you're, you and I both know that the state basketball tournament is coming up this weekend. Uh, a couple of uh, big name players are going to be in there that uh, have Longhorn interests. Uh, talk first about Jaden Greathouse and his team at Austin Westlake going there. Yeah, you know, Austin Westlake's 38 and one. Uh, they're playing Atascacita, who I believe is 34 and six, but David Martinez is arguably the best coach in the state at Atascacita. That's not to take away anything. Austin Westlake's got a great coach. He coached Damian James in high school, known him a while. David Peavy at Duncanville is a great coach, but the guy at Atascacita, David Martinez, is a tremendous coach. I, I don't know how he's 34 and six this year. Um, so Jaden Greathouse, you know, is going to be one of the most physical players on the floor. You know, he's going to fight for the ball hard. Uh, there's also a couple of Cunninghams on that team. Uh, one's a senior and one's a junior. Uh, so Austin Westlake, a lot of Texas connections there. And obviously one of the, a kid that Texas would welcome a football commitment from if you wanted to call tomorrow, Jaden Greathouse. Uh, and we'll see how they do 38 and one look, they, if you get to the state, if you get here, you got a chance. Um, a task at Aceta is no easy task. <laughs> if you get past them, you're probably getting Duncanville. And, and they are loaded. Uh, uh, but the player to watch, actually, not the not just from a recruiting standpoint, but the player to watch is a young man from Dallas Kimball, Arterio Morris, that you, we had on the show, I guess, back in the fall, right when he had uh, signed with Texas that day. Yeah, you know, they're playing Beaumont United. And, and I think this is going to be the most packed game of the tournament, of the semifinal games. Uh, the, there's history from last year with this game. Uh, Dallas Kimball's 30-8 and eight this year, but that's against the national schedule. If they just played a schedule in Texas, they're probably 36-2 and two type of team. Uh, and they're very talented. I watched them play Friday, and, you know, Arterio was on cruise control, and that's kind of some people just say, hey, he's got to play all the time. He was on cruise control that night. But Beaumont United beat them in the state championship last year. Uh, Houston signee and on 300, top 100, small forward Terrence Arso hit a three to get it into overtime and hit a three in the corner to win the state title. And he, they ripped the hearts of Dallas Kimball in that game. And Beaumont United also has one of the top junior guards in America, Wesley Yates. Uh, and Texas is trying there. I don't think they're in the top five. He visited Auburn, LSU, ba uh, Baylor, and Stanford. Uh, Texas is still in the fight there, 6'4 guard. Uh, I think Beaumont United is – last year was clearly – they were undefeated. Last year was clearly a special year. I don't think they've handled the success as well this year to a couple of their younger kids. Uh, maybe one wanted to shoot the ball a little bit too much. 
instead of making that extra pass like they had last year. So I think United's vulnerable. They lost. They won in triple overtime uh, in the regional quarterfinal game in a game they should have lost. Goose Creek Memorial missed 10 free throws in the overtimes. And, and United won on a tip-in in a third overtime. 79-78, I believe, or 78-77. Wesley Yates had 40, but United shouldn't even be there. But that's what happens, right? They are there. Now are they going to take advantage? But Arterio Morris is a tremendous talent. He's a kid that should play in the NBA. He's an on-three consensus five-star prospect. Um, the, the key with him for the Texas fans that watch him, that have never watched him, that may watch him in San Antonio and Alamo Dome, he is exceptional in a fast-paced game in transition. He is an elite athlete. He's 6'3". Um, he can. He, he has really good court vision. Where the, when the game slows down, where he's got to learn to play, uh, because everything's been always been so easy for him. At the next level, somebody's going to have their hand on your hip all the time, and you have to understand how to play in the half court with pace, win leverage, gain leverage. Now, for Texas fans, I'll give you. All, I, I said this on Inside Texas uh, a few days ago, but he's going to start working with TJ Ford in the off season, and I think that's greatly going to help him. Nobody he- better to learn from. Is he a question for you? Is he similar to like a Greg Brown, maybe in the fact that Greg Brown really wasn't that good in the half court either? Terrio's a better player. Yeah, Terrio's a better player, but they're similar athletes. I mean, they're uh, at their position, they're elite athletes. Uh, I mean, I'll put it to you this way for the football fans out there. If Terrio Morris quit basketball tomorrow, he'd be a national 100 wide receiver in his first time he steps on the football field. That's the level of athlete and the level of hands and agility, dexterity, everything he's got. And he is a elite run and jump athlete. Got it. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, free throws and uh, my heart was pulled out last yesterday afternoon. Uh, Longhorns missed some key free throws uh, down the stretch against Kansas. I really, uh, we talked about this in the preseason and they've, they've held up most of the year at the free throw line. Uh, big, some big games, they've hit 80% or better Yesterday they they did not in that loss to uh to KU and I think that that cost them right at the end. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know it's going to be interesting. The Trey Mitchell loss is a big one, um, obviously just from a depth in the post because Dylan Disu hasn't been the same player after the knee injury or what he was expected to be. So it really Texas has a very little margin for error offensively. Um, in going into the season, I kind of had 76, 77 percent pegged for the free throw line and 37, 38 at the three-point line. Because they didn't have a blow-by guard, they didn't have somebody that could just create and break things down, you have to be really good in all the other areas. And they're there at the free throw line. And I do think in games, in neutral games, they'll make free throws. But it's uh, for them, it's going to come down. They're 31, 32% from three this year. That's just can't – that doesn't get it done. I mean, it's – the last three national champions have averaged 39-7 from three. Yeah. Will somebody break the mold? So will somebody break the mold? And go thirty-seven this year? That maybe uh, Chris Beard's teams that went to the lead eight and national title game shot thirty-six point eight and thirty-six six from three, and that's where you got to be around 38 percent from three. Um, like Auburn is a team that was ranked one in the country at one point. They shoot thirty percent from three. I mean, and so you've seen them take some losses of teams that figured them out. You have to be able to knock down the perimeter shot if you're not blowing by people at the guard position and yeah, uh, Timmy Allen had a bad game yesterday yeah, yeah. oh uh, just uh, not uh, in uh, as as he as I mean bad shooting game two of yeah. 15 I mean come on and Kansas you know. has a lot of length and can affect the shots by the way one thing we didn't get to I want to I want to mention it I, I stopped by Grand Prairie Friday 
Oh my goodness. I, I totally forgot. We, 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 we uh, prefaced this and this is a good conversation topic because um, it's Savion Red. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the uh, young man that's already committed or already signed with Texas was a late addition to the Texas class. You hadn't got to see him in person until you went by Grand Prairie this weekend. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still didn't see him in person. There was an early release day. But more, what I did do is I sat down with uh, Grand Prairie head, head coach Tony Tammy for an uh, hour and a half. Uh, we had great conversation. Look, the, the, for the people that don't know his background, he coached seven years linebackers under Gary Patterson at TCU. He's been a head coach at the smaller college level. He's 30-plus years as a college coach. And now he's the head coach at Grand Prairie, a team that was before this year was 39 and 139 since 2005 season, 39 and 139. So them going seven and five and winning a playoff game is like Tom Brady winning his seventh Super Bowl ring. Okay. I mean, that's just, that's the level that in Savion Red, the one thing I took, <laughs> because the first thing, one of the first things coach asked me, well, where would you rank him? He said, because I know your business, where you rank him? I said, well, wherever we rank it, wherever he's ranked, it's going to be underranked in our business. Um, if he goes and does the things that, you know, we're learning about him now. And he said, I said, what makes him what he is? He said, unbelievable competitor, a fierce competitor. And he told, he said, put it in perspective. He said, he was off to the side in a practice and he had a number of stories, but this one kind of got my attention. He was off to the side uh, of a uh, during a practice one day, and defense was on the field, offense was off, and it was second team offense. And he just picked up a soccer ball, and he was trying to just juggle it with the correct spin, and he couldn't get it right, and he couldn't get it right, and it was time for first team offense to go back on the field. And he said, "I'm not going out there till I get this right." And he still he sat there, and they watched him sit there and juggle. Uh, the soccer ball until he got the correct spin he wanted on the soccer ball. And he said, just little things. He said, the ability to focus in a competitive uh, environment like that and just really have a, that laser focus and competition. He, he's got to channel it better at times, but he said it's rare. He said it reminded him of a couple of guys they had at TCU that weren't as highly recruited guys and ended up being NFL draft picks because he said they had that same ability to really focus in on those one-on-one -on -one matchups and competition, right? I, I, who, and, you remember the names? Uh, one was a line. Oh gosh, the linebacker. Um, I think it was Tank Carter from Sweeney was one of the guys he threw out there. Yeah, um, an under-recruited guy that ended up being an NFL draft pick. But you know, look, he, that's kind of his what he said. He said basketball, whatever it is. And Bobby, we've talked about this before. I think it's kind of the things we liked about him. You notice on tape, he, he plays through contact. He wants to win his matchup. And Texas needs more players that literally want to line up across and want to kick the guy's ass they're lined up across from. And I think they got that on the offensive line. I think Red's got that. And Coach thinks he can be a really good wide receiver. He said he didn't play. He had to play him at quarterback this year. He said he's the best safety on the team, the best corner on the team, the best receiver on the team, the best running back on the team, the best quarterback on the team. And that's why he played quarterback, so they could go make the playoffs and win games. Uh, but he thinks he'll be a really good wide receiver. And that's all Texas has talked to him about is playing wide receiver. Yeah, interesting. This is, this is something for you. I, I, I couldn't help but think of a guy that played quarterback for a team that – was was horrible before he arrived and that's Jalen Hurts down at Channel View I mean yep. give me a, a Channel View you and I uh, you know 
they, they've been a, a, a bad program for a number of years before he came. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're competing with the North Shores and Beaumont schools of the world. Uh, I, brought up, I brought up another name to him. We had him on as a guest on here. It's different because Angleton was winning games, but I said Quandre Diggs. Same type of guy when you talk to him, when you hear about him. And he said, it's funny, I recruited Quandre Diggs at TCU, and he said they are there's some similarities there in the way they approach physicality in football and competitiveness. Yeah, a lot of people were wondering why Texas went late on Savion Red. Uh, like they did and and questioning well are they getting somebody that they didn't you know really want at the outset but uh, that's good stuff Jerry um, anything else you want to add before we let people go here today no you know I went to North Mesquite last Thursday uh, Texas isn't really moving fast on Cordell Russell uh, Texas Tech has a really good in with Cordell Russell the because Emmett Jones the receivers coach at Texas Tech coached Russell's dad at Dallas Lincoln in high school so whoever comes in and recruits Russell, that's a pretty strong connection. Um, but there's a 2024 receiver though over there, Elijah Basea, who I think Bobby's going to be a national recruit. Uh, Pitt was his first offer in April of 2021 when Marion was there. Texas knows who he is. Texas Tech, Baylor, a lot of those schools have offered already. So, uh, Ole Miss, South Carolina have offered him. But he's a name to watch in 2024. He's a really smooth route runner. Uh, really tracks the football naturally. Then I also went by Naaman Forrest uh, Friday. Uh, look, Texas is very much in the picture with Marcus Deal. Uh, I think they've taken the correct recruiting approach with Deal. Their recruit, Bo Davis, leads the recruitment. As long as Deal wants a shot at D-line, you have your defensive line guy recruit him. Um, and I think that is a big deal. Um, and I, I do think over time, Marcus Deal is going to switch and say he's fine playing offensive line. But I think Texas is taking the correct approach. But Deal's recruitment is going to play out a long time. Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this weekend, they're going to take a June week trip to USC, which isn't very much in the picture because Oklahoma was in it. And Josh Henson was recruiting him at AM. Um, and they're going to go see Stanford and Oregon. And then he's going to make that Alabama, Georgia, LSU run as well. So this is a recruitment that will play out a while. But Steve Sarkeesian, they're playing the long game, and this is a guy you're playing the long game with because he's dang near a five-star prospect as an offensive guard. Gotcha. All right, uh, Jerry, I, I think that was just a phenomenal episode, loaded with information from uh, start to finish. I appreciate it. I know the fans here do as well. Please consider a subscription uh, to InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry and I are each and every day answering questions on the message boards. Also, uh, we really would appreciate it if you'd click the subscribe button uh, for these videos on the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. For Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.